Here in London, it's still all about Brexit. Brexit, Brexit, Brexit debate. The analysis on what Brexit really means is still out. <laughs> Brexit. Brexit. What we opted for was making our own decisions and steering our own ship. Brexit. 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 We want to stay friends with our British neighbours. Brexit. Brexit. Brexit is bad. I have to defend the interests of European citizens. The Brexit referendum has been hugely divisive in this country. In a conflict zone special this week, we look back at some of the key arguments that have shaped this often angry Brexit debate. One of the accusations against the Leave side is that you consistently fail to articulate what the British economy would look like after Brexit. Mm -hmm. um, last December, we got a flash of real honesty from Nigel Farage at the Oxford Union when he said that I will accept that none of us knows what the risks are if we leave the European Union. Mm -hmm. Marvellous. Mm -hmm. The most momentous decision that the British are being required to take in 40 years and you don't know what the risks are. So no. it's sort of, fly with me and we'll see what happens, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. That's it, isn't it? The, the whole point is that if we... You don't put, think the country is worth more than the, that? The whole point is if we put the X in the box, in the right box on the ballot paper, we then have two years of hopefully a responsible government, hopefully a responsible team that will negotiate a, an exit package which is... Hopefully it's a big confident. word. It's like surely, isn't it? Maybe, you know, with luck. Yes. This, and, is, this and is a huge gamble you want the British people it, to it's take, a huge, isn't it? It's a huge gamble for both sides. A nervous time for you coming up to the uh, referendum. So nervous that you've even started to talk about what it would be like to lose, haven't you? <laughs> well, what I was actually trying to do was say that the Leave campaign has made no attempt at all to describe what a post-Brexit UK would look like. So the question I was raising was, if we were to vote to leave, which I clearly hope that we won't, what would the mandate be? Because there's a huge difference between staying in the single market or leaving it. But why but raise it now? Because not... you sense defeat, don't you? No, I'm raising it now because I think it's really important that when people go to the ballot box on the 23rd of June, they understand what leave means. And at the moment, there's a black hole. You never stretched a fact in this campaign? In every campaign, some people have, and no, I don't think I ever did, but some people on both sides used good and bad arguments. But if You we saw people on vote leave using bad arguments, course, using misleading, look, the, the whole misleading country was arguments. The whole country was involved in this campaign, so of course there were good and bad arguments That's on both sides. That's not an excuse for misleading people, is it? Well, I, I don't think I've misled anyone. Well, what about your campaign? Well, you were a leading so, light of the campaign. <laughs> some people who were campaigning for a leave vote used bad arguments. You were some on the campaign were committee, didn't you rein them in? Didn't you want to rein them in? Well, in life, we are responsible for what we do. Right? We're not responsible for every ally who might have reached the same position as us. You were a senior member route. of the Vote Leave campaign. Mm -hmm. You were on no, the weekly by, campaign committee. You were on the weekly campaign. You set the strategy. You set the strategy. You helped set the strategy. Please do. Well, here are a number of things that were said during the campaign that I think may now be fairly decried as false. 
We were told that there would be an emergency budget, that uh, there'd have to be emergency tax rises. We're now being told there'll be tax cuts. We were told that our immigration officers would I be thrown out I'm of France. To, that, the French government has now said that's not going to happen. You're not responsible for what the other side said. I'm only going to hmm. hold you responsible for what you said and Fine. what your campaign said. Uh, hold me responsible said. for what I said. Let's deal uh, first with, with what appear to be radically conflicting claims by you and other leading lights in, in your campaign. Um, right after the vote, you caused something of a stir on television by saying that you favoured the free movement of workers to and from the UK. It means free movement of labour. You said it doesn't mean EU citizenship. Mm -hmm. um, my question is, at what point did you declare in the campaign, vote Brexit, it'll mean free movement? Throughout. At every, at every give meeting. Me at every well, give, actually, me, give me an example. Give me one example. Give me one example. If, if, if you'll allow me to, yeah. I will, Tim. Yeah. Yes, on that very programme, sitting around that very table with that very same interviewer at the start of the campaign, I had said exactly the same thing. I've written a book called Why Vote Leave, which sets it all out, which sold 20,000 copies. I hardly think I can be accused which, which of sneaking this out in the small print. it'll mean free oh, yes, movement it does. of labour. Oh, yes, it does. We will never accept to undo the European Union. You cannot expect that if the uh, British people or majority of the British people want to go out of the European Union, that we shall destroy the European Union. I have to defend the interests of the European citizens. But I have to defend the interests of the German citizens, the Belgian citizens, who want to keep the European Union because it's in their advantage. Yes, what I'm saying here is this. It would be a bad thing for the peoples of Europe if the political class of Europe willfully go for a bad deal with Britain because they want to punish us, they want to discourage other people from leaving the club. And I do not think that across much of Europe that the political elites are held in any high degree of regard. So you can certainly accuse me of attacking the European elites, but my goodness me, they've given me some too. All right, here, this from the German car manufacturers. You told everyone in Britain, of course, the Germans will never allow tariffs to be slapped on their car exports to Britain. Well, they wouldn't want it. They wouldn't want it. Okay, so what did Chancellor Merkel tell the world? She said the internal cohesion of the EU would come before defending German exports to the UK. The Association of Car Manufacturers says the future of the EU is more important than short-term exports. Well, do you know what? This actually plays into my hands even more. This gives, me an even, this gives me an even bigger card than I thought I had to play. Because here is my chance. They don't chance. want your card. That's what they're telling you. Oh, no, 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 no. But they again, don't want your card. Oh, come on. The relationship between big business, big banks and big politics is what it is. They don't want things to change. They like the status quo the way that it is. So what happens if it all goes wrong? I mean, we haven't even started the negotiations. You, you said in 2015, you said in 2015, at the Oxford Union, none of us knows what the risks are if we leave the European Union. None of us knows what the risks are if we stay in the European well, that's Union. Right. So we were left to just, you know, take your bravado and your... Well, it's very simple. And your assurances. It's, no, 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 it's very simple. We're left to do that. Very simple. You could never predict the future. Exactly. Whatever side of the referendum or at argument, all, as you say, you'd, you'd care. Well, well, anyone that thinks he knows the future should be retired because mm -hmm. they should have made a fortune, you know. Um, the real question with that referendum was: Should we be responsible as a nation with its own identity for making the key decisions that determine our future, and whether we get them right or get them wrong, genuinely, once every four or five years? have the chance to hold to account the people who took those decisions? Or do we think our future better 
to be a small voice as part of a bigger new state. And I've been as you know, objective about that as I possibly can be. That's what the referendum was about. And what we opted for, not by a massive margin, but what we opted for was making our own decisions and steering our own ship. And that I believe to be right in all circumstances. Here's a context which is really important. We've said that at the end of this process, when people know what the Brexit deal, what leaving the European Union might look like, when we've got a few answers that we don't have at the moment, then you give the people of Scotland a choice. And what's been fascinating is the way that that has been embraced by politicians across the European institutions and across Europe as well. The Conservative Party is almost completely united around the process of leaving the European Union and also, by the way... On leaving, but it's the mechanics. It's the, well, the mechanics details. is we're in a negotiation. Excuse me, do you know the outcome of a negotiation? No, we're talking about the Thank mechanics. You. Brexit party well, doesn't give me the answer to my the question. Government, I think, the government... You? The government just give doesn't me the even know. No, the government doesn't even know what it well, wants. Well, you don't either. It? So we're in the middle of a negotiation. My point is, you negotiate. That's what you do. You negotiate with the European Union. Yes. The European Union appears to know what it wants. This government doesn't well, you appear say to that, know what it wants. Actually, I did read the other day that there are a number of people in the European Union that don't agree with the Commission. For example, uh, I think it was the Austrian finance minister. I may be wrong about exactly what job he holds, or maybe it was a commissioner. I can't remember. But he actually said quite clearly that he thought the UK was in an incredibly strong position because the European Union needed the trade. We've also had well, he's the only one, isn't he? He's the only one. Let me finish. The finance minister of Bavaria lectured Mrs. Merkel the other day about making sure that she didn't screw up the negotiations because over a million and a half jobs in Bavaria rely on exports to the UK of machine tools and cars alone. Uh, there are plenty of others. I talked to a lot of European businesses. I was talking to a person the other day that does low-tech product. He's a Belgian manufacturer. He produces potatoes. And he said the last thing we need in Europe is a tariff wall because my business would go down the tubes. I employ lots of people. I said, have you spoken to your politicians? He said, we're talking to them now. So before we just get this out of kilter, the European Union is in a position where they're not all together completely united, and they also recognize that they do need a trade deal. Let How me many tell trade you, deals no, have no, you stop. negotiated? Uh, let me tell you, I know a bit more about trade deals than you do. Let How me tell many you. trade deals let have you negotiated? Let me tell you something about this trade deal, all right? So just stop interrupting me and just let me tell you about a trade deal, all right? You might learn something. Here's what has to happen. As we leave the European Union, we will also re-enter the WTO as a voting member. We're a member, but we're not a voting member. Now, the schedules that are owned by the EU are actually have a financial tag to them. So unless they agree with us the amount of money that we pay to take some of those schedules relevant to us and lodge them at the WTO, they will end up as the EU spending a great deal more money for less potency. Now, here's the point. They have to settle that. That's not they might. They have to settle that at the time we leave. Otherwise, they pick up a bigger bill. So Mr. Barnier knows very well that until this, for example, is settled, nothing is settled. We are where we are. There's no point in revisiting history. Um, there's no demands in the country for a further uh, general election. What there are demands for, from I know from standing on doorsteps in my constituency, is for the UK government to proceed with the negotiations and end up with the best possible Brexit deal. So that's why all these things should be uh, very much explored. But my point is this, in trying to get a solution that placates both Remainers and Brexiteers, Britain seems to be reduced to putting forward ideas that are pretty much unworkable. Is that really the best your party can do? Well, I think that all uh, options have to be uh, on the uh, the table until even the ones rejected. Well, 
I think the understanding is, is understanding obviously why things are rejected. Look, the Brexit referendum has been hugely divisive in this country. And I do think one of the mistakes made um, early on was not trying to uh, acknowledge that whilst uh, the Leave campaign had won, 16 million people, 48% of those who voted, had not voted for this. So in trying to bring people uh, together to explain that we would be leaving, but we would do it in a way that was not going to uh, damage uh, completely unnecessarily people's own livelihoods and our economy. That's what we're sort of catching up to uh, now. That's what I expect to be debated both in Parliament and in Cabinet in the next few weeks. Looking back over the last two years, you were part of David Cameron's Cabinet, which approved this referendum. Why did none of you ever ask the kinds of basic questions that people are grappling with now? What if, what if we lose the referendum? What if the party splits? What if Europe applies the rules? What about the Northern Ireland border? Why were none of these questions thought about beforehand? Well, I can't say that they weren't, uh, they weren't thought about. Um, we didn't come to any were, conclusions. Well, uh, partly because obviously many of us campaigned in order to remain. And uh, it's difficult if you're campaigning for one thing uh, to, to gaze into the crystal ball and answer every question that's going to come up. I deeply regret uh, the result, but the result is here. Uh, we in this country obviously had a, a fair and democratic uh, vote. Uh, difficult, very difficult for people to accept, uh, but I think it is the right thing to do to balance those two now, which is to say, yes, we are going to leave the European Union, but we're not going to do it in a way that is damaging. And if we constantly look back to the past and relive the vote from two years ago, then actually I think what happens is that attention is not given to that future relationship between the two parties, which is very important. Our as we call it, Western system of democracy, rule of law, parliamentarism, is under stress. What happened in UK? UK, the, the origin of modern parliamentarism, moved the most important decision in, for the first decades in this century for UK from Westminster to a referendum. Crazy. Mr Lamberts, this is the key sticking point, the Irish border, the border between the yes. Irish Republic and Northern Ireland. If Britain crashes out without a deal, day one on this border, what happens? There will be controls. Who's obviously. putting up those controls? Well, both sides will need to, to put uh, well, them Well, Britain up. says it isn't and Ireland says it isn't. Of course. Of and course. Ireland says it isn't. Well, we will need to have contingency plans for that, of course. So what from are day your one, contingency from plans? Day one, from day one, of course, you don't expect that smugglers will start importing goods into Europe because at the moment we have alignment. But very soon, if this border is not policed, well, it will be abused. And what I don't are the EU's plans then? Well, do you believe that we are going to put these plans in the open? Two, two, 208 border crossings. Yes, and You more. propose to police all those, do you? Well, we will need to control. We will need to control. Against the wishes of the Irish state, against the wishes of the Irish well, Republic. They've me, made it perfectly clear. What we're saying is very clear. This is from Simon Coveney, yeah. the Foreign Minister. The Irish government will not support the re-emergence of border infrastructure on this island. Can it be clearer than that? No, it cannot be clearer than that. But then they know the consequences. That then we will put the checks elsewhere than on the intra-Irish border. Who, who, will, who will put the checks? Well, the European Union member states. What do you believe? Well, what, what, what do these checks look like then? Who, who, who's going to put them up? Frontex? Well, 
but not Frontex. I mean, the, the customs, uh, uh, the, the, the customs authority in the various member states. I mean, what do you believe? Uh, do, do, do you believe that we are going to let any good enter the European Union just unchecked? And so if, if the Irish don't do it, then, of course, people on the continent will, will So there will be it. a border between Ireland and other and, EU and, states. And I tell you that the Republic of Ireland is very much preoccupied about the integrity of the single market and doesn't want to be excluded from the single market. And believe me, and this is the calculus that many British uh, are, are, are just ignoring, is that, yes, a hard Brexit will be damaging for the EU27. It will be even more for the UK, but that is not our problem. It will be damaging for the 27. The European Parliament has failed time and again to connect to ordinary people. Brexit is proof of that, isn't it, in Europe? No, I don't think Brexit is proof of that. We don't, you know, the, the analysis on what Brexit really means is still out because I think, uh, you know, the reasons why people voted for Brexit are maybe very much connected to the reasons why American people voted for Trump. And incidentally, the turnout in, your, in because American free, elections. Because they're free. That's maybe, you can, maybe you can hear me out. Uh, the American uh, turnout uh, at the American elections is, is not very high either. But it's clear that uh, people are facing a choice of the kind of world they want to live in. Some people would like to go back in time, uh, take rights away uh, from people, um, you know, end equality, end pluralism, end uh, okay. free democracy. Uh, and that is really what's at stake here. People are losing faith, though, in the EU. Here's the paradox, isn't it? Highest level of support for membership since 1983 but more than half the people of Europe think the EU is likely to collapse within a generation. All the, well, for the first Brexit, That's also the legacy Brexit of the talks last five for itself. Years, the chaos and implosion that unfortunately we have seen in the UK has been a vaccination rather than infection for the rest of Europe. We have seen... So you should be stronger seen, as a result of that. We have seen, if I can finish my sentence, the Eurobarometer country after country, European Union popularity has increased even in... Hungary, with a few exceptions like Czech Republic, and we have seen one after the other, the extreme right political parties dropping the agenda of leaving the European Union and leaving the Euro. So why do citizens have all these doubts? And why liberals and Greens have gone forward in the elections, they want a stronger Europe, they don't want a weaker Europe. So what you do is you go straight to the so-called future relationship. And you say, what is the desired end state at the end of all of these negotiations? And that is a comprehensive free trade agreement between the United Kingdom and the European Union so that we can trade to our mutual benefit and advantage with low or no tariffs into the foreseeable future. We were always going to have to, at some point, agree the future relationship. So my argument would be... Let's no go tariffs that would flood Britain's well, well, agricultural markets and well, let, manufacturing well, that, markets. Well, that's a matter for negotiation. But there is an existing template. It's the EU-Canadian free trade agreement which was signed in 2016. Which took how many years to negotiate? Well, that took seven years to negotiate it, but the advantage of that is, is that we've already done all the heavy lifting. So we've argued, they Who's argued... the heavy lifting? It's a very different economy from the British economy. Yes, but, economy. but what you would do... Very different. Well, but what you do is you take that as a start point, so you have a template that you know by definition the EU did accept because they signed it, and then you, so you don't start with a blank piece of paper, you start with that, and then you see whether you can modify it. So, for instance, it would be... You start from a weaker position, because by the time you're doing this, you're already out of the EU. Well, yes, and I'm perfectly prepared to leave on WTO terms while those negotiations take place.
but I would argue... Despite the fact that industry is warning that this is going to be... All project fear nonsense. Well, you could say, they well, say, well, your, your project fantasy. Well, well, you the, don't know, do well, you? Well, the European elections... You don't know. The European elections in this country were overwhelmingly won by the Brexit party, whose policy was to leave, if necessary, with no deal. The people in this country overwhelmingly voted for that. So there is a mandate. We can't leave Brussels without a mention of Brexit. British newspapers suggesting in the last few days that there are new overtures being made to Boris Johnson. This after the European Union has stressed repeatedly that there is no reopening of the withdrawal agreement. Is the EU in the process of blinking at the 11th hour? No. We have said, and Ursula von der Leyen has repeatedly uh, continued to say this, we want to stay friends with our British neighbours. That's not easy in the current political debate, especially not easy in the current debate in the UK, but that's the principle we want to stick to. But it's obvious that the treaty that we have been negotiating, Barnier and the May government, is the treaty that is on the table. And if... Yeah, but you have new people now coming into the EU and you have new persons yeah, but the coming into the British government. But the principles behind that treaty don't change. It's only the Why people five, that change. Why are five European countries, including Germany and France, allegedly making contact with Johnson in order to see what chance there is of a new deal? You know, as I said, the principle we are having all together, and I think it's not only these five countries, all countries in the European Union want to stay friends with our British neighbours. So the point is that the basic principles of the treaty, they are there, they cannot be changed, but for sure we have to stay in touch with Boris Johnson and whatever other candidate that may win this battle, because we want to make sure that in the long run we stay friendly neighbours. We will always be there close to each other and we cannot afford a situation where we are in a bad mood uh, hanging around together. We have to face the future together, even if the UK Which means wants a to new leave. overture from the EU, doesn't it? Otherwise, come October, you will both, both the EU and Britain, will reach a scenario that none of you wanted. None of you want <clears throat> crashing out without a deal. Exactly. That's doesn't your, say, doesn't that's say your much. presumption. Doesn't but who say knows? much for no, the last three it's years. Your, it's your presumption that there will be maybe a crash out without a deal. But it's not said. The deal is on the table and the UK and the next prime minister can still su subscribe to it or make propositions how we can improve it. But despite what they've said and despite what the EU has said as change, well. Tim, that's obvious in politics. You can in politics discuss about everything, but you cannot change the principles of the treaty. They must remain, and the principles of the treaty are the basics of that treaty. But what Boris Johnson or whatever candidate wants to do, we have to see when they are in office. David Davis didn't know the first thing about the European Union. This is, this is what he said. Within minutes of a vote for Brexit, the CEOs of Mercedes, BMW, VW and Audi will be knocking on Merkel's door demanding there be no barriers to the British market. Didn't happen. I think they said it was going to be the easiest deal in history. Didn't happen. Well, it they said all the cards were going to be in Britain's hands. Didn't happen. That's this was nonsense, wasn't it? Project fantasy. No, what we've, what we've got is um, we do still have some semblance of democracy in this country whereby people who are dissatisfied with what the government's doing come and lobby me. I lobby the Prime Minister. They lobby the Prime Minister directly. Due to the democratic deficit in the European Union, we're trading with Germany, France um, and all the other EU countries, but they've given the powers of these negotiations to an, another body called the European Union. And, and it's, 
what it wants to get out of these negotiations is going to be different to what our customers in those countries want to get. And there is a huge democratic deficit. The, the people making the big decisions in the European Union are not elected and not, not politically accountable. Well, a lot of them are elected and a lot of them are. We've just had the largest, the largest democratic vote is for the European Parliament. Yes, and the largest... 400 million people... And the largest party elected to that parliament is the Brexit party. Um, you unhappy with that? Um, There's democracy for you. That's democracy. There's democracy. Mr. Bridgen, when you look around this country, you can't fail to see people getting angrier, more divided, more bitter. Demonstrations are getting angrier. Yep. You like it that way? The country divided, no. full of hatred, no. invective? No, not at all. And <clears throat> but that's what your I'm resistance to a deal has produced, isn't it? No, it's the resistance to leaving. As I said, the democracy only works... You when had a deal, you could have left. You would have been out by It then. was a very, very bad deal, and it would have... It was a deal. I don't think we ever would have got out of the backstop. I think that was the end state for that the, the EU got in mind for our country. Uh, and they would have had a veto. At least in the Article 50 process, we can actually leave while we're in it, however long we extend it, and however unpopular that is with our electorate. Once we'd signed that withdrawal agreement, the EU would have a veto on when we could actually get out of that uh, treaty. Um, and I do think the country can come back together. But one thing for sure, how, Tim, how is it going to come back together when, when we it leave? Is so deeply, when we actually deeply... leave, you're about to take a position in the um, Parliament's steering Brexit steering group. Well, it's one not going to be Brexit anymore. It's, to be, it's going to be UK coordination group. Yes. Can you get a deal in eleven months? Well, uh, not on everything. Not on everything. A bare bones deal, then. Probably. Yeah. You could have done a deal with uh, Theresa May. Why didn't the EU do that? Uh, you would have had a, a softer Brexit in, remember, in progress. Uh, you, do you but remember you insisted on the Irish backstop. But because it's key. And that finished her off, didn't it? Well, she had no majority in her parliament. But she could have got an agreement through if you'd let her um, on the backstop. Uh, do you really think that protecting the rights of our companies or for citizens, uh, protecting peace in Ireland was uh, not a key priority. I don't agree with you. Our government said it was a key priority, but the backstop wasn't necessary. But you're going to end up now with, a, with an outcome, if, if Britain leaves without a deal, that's an outcome that nobody wants. Especially the Brits. Yeah, but you didn't want it either. No, but... Uh, it's going to cause massive disruption for you too. But My point is you could well, have avoided it's, that. It's a choice for the Brits. If they want to destroy their country, I don't think this is what they want. They have to be responsible leaders. It's time for responsibility. Europe's going to suffer too. That's for sure. I mean, there's no good Brexit.